You are now listening to The Sound of Sanity. This sound will continue for the duration of the program. It is wet out there. Uh, yep. But sure is. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Rothgar's Hall, sirs. The name's Ollie, sir. I'm the bartender of this here establishment. You look like you're all wet. Looks can be deceiving, man. You look like you have a brain. Boom! Got him, Jake! <laughs> <laughs> Good job, Nathan. Well done. <laughs> wow, a brain! No one's ever said that to me. Thank you, sir. Have a seat at the table, sirs. Can I fetch you fellas a drink? I'd like to get out of my wet jacket and into a dry martini. <laughs> Nathan, old chum, the only thing drier than the martini is your wit. Oh, man. I should introduce us. Hey, everybody. This is Nathan, your humble and obedient host, Agent Provocateur. We're actually joining you from Hrothgar's Hall today. You may have you may have heard from Hrothgar's Hall in the podcast before. It's the local tavern and eatery in uh, Sanityville, which is where all the, the, the kooky characters that always show up on our podcasts, like in the interstitial segments, they all live in a place called Sanityville. And me and Jake thought we'd visit here today. Uh, Hrothgar's Hall, you may have heard, that's where they do some of the, the musical performances, like in the other episodes. Isn't that right, barkeep? Oh, yeah, mister. Our stage has a standard invitation to anyone who wants to sing a silly parody song about things relevant to a Christian audience. It's kind of oddly specific, isn't it? We had one a few weeks ago about Mr. Jordan Peterson. People seem to like. But then these guys sing a song about Mother's Day, and it was a real stinkeroo. Like, what were they even trying to accomplish? Let's not talk about that one. I, I'm sure. I'm sure whoever they were, they were they, 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 they were trying their best. And failing like Tom Cruise at a competition for being really tall. <laughs> all the old chum with a wit like that, you're even funnier than all the funny witty patrons who come in. Oh, anyway, Jake, we were thinking about uh, this, this 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 week. Father's Day is coming up. Um, we were honestly actually just thinking about taking this week off because, Jake, you're a dad. And as, as you rightly actually pointed out on your Instagram, uh, Mother's Day, actually. Father's Day part one. That's right. No, no, no mothers without fathers. No Mother's Day without fathers. So really, the real hero of Mother's Day, the dad. So Mother's Day is more like Father's Day part one. Right. And this is Father's Day part two. At least it's coming up this week on Sunday, if you're listening to this the day that it came out. So we wanted to just uh, take it a little bit easy today. We thought we'd come to the bar. Hang out, talk about fatherhood a little bit for the show. Yeah. This won't actually be like the Mother's Day episode. We're going to have an actual serious conversation, I think. But the nice thing is there's no devil's advocate alarm here. So we won't Yeah, get definitely into that. no nothing. devil's advocacy alarm at all Not in Hrothgar's Hall. Any such alarm here in this place. So we do not have to worry about having a, a big argument where somebody's trying to tell us fathers are bad or something. We can just chill and kind of talk about our fathers, you know, pay tribute to them, have a, have a nice little conversation about fatherhood. Yeah, yeah. Whenever Bing gets here, at least, where's he oh, at? Yeah, where, where's Solzer? I don't know. He's supposed to he's supposed to be here. Um, well, surely he's not lost on the streets of Sanityville amidst all its kooky cast of characters. Yeah, that would be unfortunate. Oh boy, let me see. I think the bar is just off Main Street. No, that's right. That's right. It was also one block east from that yellow house with all the chickens, and that's right here. But no, no, no. Oh, ma'am? Ma'am, excuse me. 
Could you help me out? I'm a little lost. My name is Erica Rosebloom, host of Mortification of Pin, the Christian mothering show where Pinterest meets podcasting. Oh, that's... I'm a podcaster too. That's that's great. Uh, but could you tell me how to get to... Um, uh, you know, it's the only bar in town. What do I have to do? Draw you a picture? Because I will. Using just a piece of discarded charcoal and some fabric cut from a burlap sack lying in that dumpster. Oh, great. Yeah, sure, thanks. As a thrifty Christian mother, I'm always looking for ways to transform trash into treasure. Just this morning, I took my husband's John Mellencamp CDs and broke them into tiny shards. To use, like, in a decorative mosaic or something? No. Oh, well, you seem like the perfect happy homemaker. Happy? Yes. Homemaker? Yes. Perfect? Yes. Here's your third martini, sirs. Oh, boy. Can I be um, completely honest with you and the listeners, Jake? Yeah, yeah, of course. Well, here's the thing, Jake, and it really actually is this simple. Father's Day actually always kind of makes me depressed. It's just depressing to me, and I think it's probably depressing to a lot of our listeners. So I thought maybe we could talk about that today a little bit. Uh, For my own part, it just kind of shoots me back in time to to my teenage years where I was, uh, you know, moping around listening to Radiohead. You know, Radiohead can be pretty terrifying. You got a problem with Radiohead? I used to be scared to death of him. I think I should note that uh, Radiohead, to me, is a cybernetic monster with a radio forehead. Oh. Anyway, um, yeah, Father's Day makes me as depressed as... Hillary um, Clinton, (laughs) if she don't make it back to her coffin before the sun comes up. As depressed as Hillary Clinton, if she don't make it back to her coffin. Okay. You got a problem with Democrats, Ollie? No, but I hate vampires. Eh, That's fair. I'm sorry if this episode is going to be a a little bit more personal than our our usual fare on Sound of Sanity, but I don't really know how to avoid it. I mean, everybody's got their own daddy issues, don't they? Anyway, I do. I, I mean, I guess it's not a secret to many of our listeners. I don't get along with my dad. And it's always tricky to know how much to talk about that in a forum like this. I don't want to dishonor him, but it's a really fine line. You know, if somebody's out there listening who wants wisdom on how much to talk about their bad dad, I just think it's really hard to know how to honor your father, fifth commandment style, and also use whatever baggage you you happen to have from that in a helpful way. Um, I think there's a difference between uncovering someone's nakedness and, and dealing with or even talking about nakedness that someone has uncovered for themselves. And I think there's a way to tell the truth respectfully I, that's that's really all I have to say on that I don't know well yeah it's hard because in dealing with your dad you really have to deal with some very personal things and you have to deal with his sins against you and your sins against him mm-hmm. and to do that in a way that honors him is just always hard for yeah. people and you're going to make mistakes in both directions when you do, but I think it's important to talk about that sort of thing. Yeah, so we'll, we'll try. We'll, we'll talk about dads a little bit today. I'll start by just saying I didn't get along with my dad, but I do have a lot of good dads, you know, just godly men who filled that role in my life. And God is the, let's just say it, God is the father from whom all fatherhood gets its name. So yeah, I don't think I have anything to complain about, but I think next what we'll do, Jake, is um, you can tell us about your dad. All right, cool. To do that, I have to tell you a little bit about baseball. I know a little bit of your story, and when I think of it, I think of a movie which I've never even seen, actually, but I know it's just iconic, and everybody kind of knows it, which is Field of Dreams. Classic father-son Kevin movie. Costner throwing that ball with his uh, yeah. with his dad. Not to put too fine a, a point on it, that's a little bit of your story, right? I mean, there's a reason that 
that movie resonates with so many people. And it's because for a lot of kids, a lot of sons, baseball is what the, they bonded with their dad about. And that was certainly true of me. I grew up playing baseball with my dad. And when I, when I look back and think about the best moments between me and my dad, they're always centered on baseball, whether that was playing baseball, which my dad was my coach all the way up, or even just going to baseball games. It was like, baseball is my relationship with dad. It's what we had. So were you a baseball family? Did your dad grow up playing baseball too? Yeah, well, okay, so we were definitely a baseball family. We grew up playing baseball. My dad, he played baseball with his friends, but his dad, my grandpa, didn't really know that much about baseball. But what happened was, so what you need to know is that my grandparents grew up in the Great Depression and they always had somebody living with them their whole lives besides their son and daughter, my dad and my aunt Karen. Grandpa had an older brother, Vic, and then he had a whole bunch of sisters. And his dad died when uh, he was young. And so Vic, Uncle Vic and Grandpa, they, they basically took care of the whole family, provided for the whole family. And Vic went off to World War II and moved to Texas. And so Grandpa basically just had the whole family to take care of. And he was dating my grandma and he just told her, look, I can't, I can't marry you because I've got to take care of my family. And she said, nah, I've got some money. Let's get married and buy a house together. They had enough money between the two of them to buy a house. And so like the whole first year of marriage, they've got like great grandma and grandpa's sisters and I think his niece and uh, she gets pregnant and then he goes off to Korea <laughs> for a couple of years. The point of that is just that when grandpa came back from war, he was always working and this was just his life. He was always working two and three jobs, just trying to take care of everybody and make sure everybody had a roof over their heads and food to eat. At a certain point, think around eighth grade, grandpa realized that he needed to spend more time with my dad and that he, he couldn't be working two and three jobs, that uh, having enough money wasn't as important as being there. So he hadn't been neglecting your dad in a, in a bad or abusive or, no, or dad mean would way. Never, he just, no, dad would never, He was just working a lot. Yeah, he just worked a lot. He, he was a police officer and then he'd work security, you know, night shift, security shift type things. Yeah, but then, you know, he realized he needed to be there for my dad. And he knew my dad loved baseball, so he decided he was going to coach my, my dad's baseball team. And the, the fun thing about that, at least for me, is that Grandpa really didn't know that much about baseball. He just he just decided he wanted to be there for my dad. And so he threw himself into it. I mean, Dad always talks about that as just one of the coolest and greatest things that Grandpa ever did, was throwing himself into baseball when he didn't know anything about it just because he, he wanted to spend more time with him. And it made a big impact on my dad. And so having that as, as kind of like a key place in my dad's life where he bonded with his dad, he turned around and wanted to have that with us. Mm -hmm. and, and, and he did, and it was great. The problem is that when it feels like, and I'm not saying this is the case, but when it feels like that's all you've got with your dad, mm -hmm. then at a certain point, you can grow to resent it. And I did. My dad was a really good coach. You know, on the field, dad was, he was like super dad. Any mom would look at him and think, oh man, I wish that guy was... I wish my any, husband was like that guy. Yeah, and any kid would be like, you know, I wish that guy was my dad. At least lots of, I mean, not everybody, of course, but sure. as an example of this, some of my friends growing up, I've drifted apart from my dad's got invitations to their weddings that I haven't gotten. <laughs> so I guess the disparity of how good a, a coach and how good a dad he was on the ball field and just him being, you know, a normal sinner. Right. Other places, I I resented that, resented everybody thinking that he was, was just like that all the time. I resented baseball and 
everything that came along with it. Uh, when you think about my parents divorced when I was young and it suddenly becomes really understandable. Baseball is what my dad knew. It was how he could relate to us, so our lives became baseball. I had a moment several years ago now when I stopped resenting the disparity and I just took a step back knowing how many dads at that point would have quit, would have walked away, wouldn't have put forth any effort at all. You know, the very thing that I resented was the the place where my dad won. He tried and he tried really hard. And so, you know, he didn't know how to relate to us all the time. But he knew how to relate to us on the ball field, so guess where we were all the time? We were on the ball field because he was committed to being a good dad, and that's how he knew how to be a good dad. And I'm not saying he was a bad dad in other ways or in other places. I'm just trying to draw out what I think, in one way or another, each of us feels with our dads. Mm -hmm. That, you know, there are places where dad is Superman, then there are places you realize that actually dad's Clark Kent. And it's easy to resent dad and God and everything when you realize that dad's Clark Kent and not Superman. Right. But then to be able to look back and look at everything in context and see, given the hand he was dealt, Clark Kent did a pretty good job. Right. And uh, I shouldn't be too hard on him. I just hope to live up live up to, to that. Uh, my, my oldest son is now 10. He's been in baseball for five or six years. I'm always telling dad, to buy a condo up here on Lake Monroe or to move up or have a place once he's retired and come up with my stepmom uh, during baseball season mm-hmm. and just coach, coach my kids because he's so good at it. And it's so fun. It would be such a great opportunity for them to bond with him. And, but um, I remember coaching Peter's first, first team feeling really insecure about it and just wishing that he could get me off the hook. And uh, it wasn't a movie moment or anything like that, but it was a very sweet sort of, you know, I had to be insecure and feel dumb and figure it out too. And uh, that's that's the privilege of a dad. You'll be great. Peter should have you be his coach. That's a good story. I, um... I wish I wish Solzer was here to hear it. Yeah, where where is he? I don't know. It's taking him so long. Where is that guy? I've said it once and I'll say it again. Shucks! Maybe I'll ask these gentlemen. Excuse me, would you guys know how to get to Hrothgar's Hall? Wait a second, young man. As the host of Rapid Fire, your number two source for conservative rants on the internet, I have to ask, do you see the American flag bandana being worn by my friend here? Because if so... Why aren't you saluting, boy? Ah, all right. Oh, uh, sorry, I'm getting a call. You know, Sanityville is a pretty small town. I have no idea where Ben could be. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Well, I, I hope he hasn't run into any weirdos. Anyway, I don't know. Maybe we should just, uh, Ben's not here. Maybe we should just be done with the app. I mean, you told a nice story about your dad, and luckily there's no devil's advocate alarm. So I guess I'll just mope and listen to some Radiohead. Ah, don't say that, sir. I told you. Ollie, Radiohead. Your name is Ollie, right? Radiohead is just a band. You weren't there. You don't know. Do on my way home from work in the middle of the night. Do to do. I am Radiohead. Bow before me, human. Oh no, a cyborg monster in the form of a human with a radio forehead. Look into my speaker eyes and tell my antenna ears that you will serve me forever. No, Radiohead, I'll never serve you. You're a creep. You're a weirdo. Love me and despair. Watch out, it's Hillary Clinton! Get away! I'll hit you with my fanny pack. That's right, you better run! 
Thank you for saving me from that vampire. I will now grant you three wishes, but ponder carefully before you- Three corn dogs, please. Oh, this must be my lucky day. Well, that was unexpected. Anyway, <laughs> there's definitely not in any way, shape, or form going to be a devil's advocate alarm in this episode. So, I guess we can just be- Oh, for pity's sake. How did- uh, what, the, we're, we're not even recording in the studio. How did that get in here? Oh, don't mind that, sir. We installed it for Father's Day. It's the D-double-A alarm. I think that's what they called it. Da! Like what Irish people call their dads, since it's Father's Day and this is an Irish bar. Da? Da? D-double-A? Owie! You moron! That stands for Devil's Advocacy Alarm! That means it's the part of the show where somebody has to play the devil's advocate and argue for the opposite position of what we've been arguing! I can't believe we have to do this. No, I don't even know what we've been arguing. Uh, that dads are pretty great, I guess. Uh, or that Weird. my dad is. Okay, <laughs> I guess I have to take the opposite position. So you're gonna argue that my dad is bad? No, um, no. I will argue that dads as a category are bad. <sighs> <laughs> no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna actually, I'm gonna make a serious attempt here, which should be interesting because, of course, we know it gets, it can get a little uncomfortable when we step into a place where we actually feel some real tension, which I've said already, I do feel some tension here, but, yeah. um, all right, well, somebody's got to get into the part of the devil, so I will do that today. I'm, I'm not gonna totally play the devil today. I'm gonna start by admitting I know fatherhood is good. Number one, I know it comes from God. I know that God is the, the archetypal father, the father from whom all fatherhood gets its name. Okay, so you're just going to give us that earthly fathers, however lame or awesome, are a reflection of God, the Father. Well, well, yeah, I mean, yes, that's true. I acknowledge that um, completely. I'm just setting the ground rules. I want to know what I'm dealing with here. Well, here's here's what I think the most fruitful use of my devil's advocacy time will be. I'm going to describe basically how I feel, Jake. <laughs> like moping around and listening to Radiohead? <laughs> well, I've already described that, but I don't think I've really made it clear for people. I think a lot of people out there probably feel like I do. They, they probably have feelings, some of which are sinful, some of which are wrong about fatherhood, down in their guts that they can't seem to get rid of. So maybe we can kind of use this episode to deal with some of that today. Does that make sense? Yeah, sure. Okay, so here, here's, here's how we'll start. You have a beautiful baseball story. Lucky you, Mr. <laughs> yeah. Field of Dreams, Kevin Costner over here. Feel pretty good about it. Um, I was thinking while you're talking, that could be the, the, the B-plot of like an Andy Griffith show, like like Sheriff Taylor and Barney help a busy father connect with his son through the magic of baseball. Yeah, yeah. Movie of my life, story of my life. Well, okay. So what I'm saying, what I, what I want to sort of draw out today is that there could be a lot of people actually listening for whom that's a very painful story. There are people actually, I've been in this position before, who if, if, they're happy, if they happen to be sitting behind you in church, say you put your hand on your son's uh, shoulder, you rub his shoulder, something like that, they will suddenly feel intense, stabbing jealousy or anger or bitterness or self-loathing. And it'll be real and it'll be white hot. And that's, that's not hyperbole. That's like actually there are people who they see or they hear about the simplest act of fatherly kindness, it drives them nuts. I remember a time in my life when if I went over to someone's house who, who had kind of a healthy family, I would just end up being in knots by the end of it. I've talked to you about that sort of thing before, and I've talked to other people about that sort of thing. But what 
what that can't mean is that dads need to stop showing public affection for their kids or something like that, right? Right. So and like I say, I'm not, that. you know, if, if we were doing our usual de- devil's advocate thing where I was just like really entering into it gleefully, then that'd be one thing. But I don't really want to do that today. I, I know you're right. I just, I know you're right. I'm not arguing with that. But I'm, I am asking, what do we do? Because people actually do have bad dads, absent dads, passive dads, lazy dads, selfish dads, mean, petty dads, deadbeat dads, dads who are abusive, uh, corrupt, malevolent, sexually perverse or predatory. People just have fathers who don't know best. We have to deal with that somehow. Well, yeah, right. And that's wicked of those fathers. And it's so painful for those children. It destroys them. Every wicked father defaces the image that his child has in their mind of God the Father. But just because that pain is real doesn't mean that I shouldn't pat my son on the back or rub him on the shoulder when we're in church. Just because somebody might see it and feel bad. Yeah, and like I said, I know. And and, and my dad, as I've said, he, he wasn't even that bad. He just, he wasn't around. I mean, he was around, but he wasn't around. I just want to say, God's done a lot He's done so much. I mean, he's done everything to show himself strong and loving in my life. But sometimes, just in my life, just just talking about me now, every once in a while, I see a happy son with a with a big strong dad. I just like I'm just devoured inside. Every once in a while, it doesn't happen as often anymore, but it still can happen. I don't know. I'm sure anybody who's had a bad relationship with their father that's listening will know exactly what I mean, unless they've just numbed themselves to it so much that you know they don't feel it anymore. Yeah, but look. I- I don't mean this in a trite way, but you have to have faith. You know, Joseph's brothers sold him into slavery, and Joseph lived a whole life of pain. And Joseph was able, at the end of the day, to to look at all of the pain and suffering of his life and say, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. And so you have to look at God and recognize that God can restore the years the locusts have eaten. And it's, it's literally the final verses of the Old Testament. I will send Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. And that's not just a metaphor, it's a promise. And you have to believe those promises. Right, I know that. And, and I'm not disputing it, as I said. And I don't want to dispute it. I know that God is good, but I... I don't know, Jake. It's it is hard for people. It's painful for people. I mean, it's just it's just strange sometimes to sit back and to think about the category of dads. I mean, I don't want to be crude. I don't want to, you know, get into health class here, but there's exactly one thing you have to do to become a dad. And it doesn't have anything to do with how well you can uh, throw a softball. And so sometimes I feel, and I'll go ahead and express it just because a lot of our listeners may feel this way and and we know it's wrong. I know it's wrong, but this is how people feel. So Here's a way of putting it. You have dads, right? Um, Being a dad is something that people do. It propagates the species. Maybe you get some nice Instagram photos out of it. But we expect a lot of fathers. And, And then we judge them for not providing it. But here's the thing. Dads are just guys who, for one reason or another, had kids. They're, they're guys, you know, not to put too fine a point on it, they're, they're men who went to bed with the lady. I mean, sometimes it's tempting to even think actually that, uh, okay, I'll just, I'll just really play the devil here. Sometimes it's tempting to think there's actually no such thing as a dad, that a dad is a, a fictional construct. Uh, you know, every Christmas we believe in Santa Claus. Every Easter we believe in the Easter Bunny. Every Father's Day we believe in Dad. But what actual evidence of his existence is there? There, there are, Jake, 7.6 billion people in the world. Roughly 50.4 of them are males. 100% of the 50.4 are regular guys like me. You know, guys that are just making it through the day. Guys that put the pants on one leg at a time. And, and the idea that out of the roughly 3.8 billion regular guys like us just making it through the day, one of them, just one of them, has been designated as my own personal Obi-Wan Kenobi. 
Sometimes it's really hard to believe that. Sometimes it seems like that's actually not true. Sometimes it seems like that's something I believed when I was a kid and then I grew up and I realized it was stupid and now I know better because the guy that we think is Obi-Wan Kenobi, the guy that I thought was Superman, actually taught me to know better. It wasn't because he was evil, it's because he's human, you know? It's because we're all human. Men, every man, every father is stupid and alone and frightened and they can't protect us. They can't love us, not the way that we really want to be loved, but that's because the way we want to be loved is unfair. We, we want our dads to be everything to us. Protector, provider, discipliner, advice giver, hugger, bedtime, storyteller. Meanwhile, dad's just a guy like, 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 like me or like you, you know, who likes to have a drink or likes to stare a little too long when a girl in a short skirt goes by or, or whatever, who likes watching baseball. Maybe he'd rather watch the pros play baseball than coaches his son's little league team. Why wouldn't he? What's wrong with that? Uh, my dad, I don't remember a lot of affection from him physically. Um, I don't remember him being unaffectionate either, but I don't remember a lot of hugs or anything as I got older. And it kind of, you know, sometimes when I let myself think this way, it drives me nuts that that matters. Like uh, a hug from my dad, from, from his arms, would have done something that no other arms could do. An arm is, is an arm, and most arms are weak. And figuring that out, just, just, just giving into that, seems like maybe you can just be happier that way. That's, that's, you know, that's how millions of people feel. Sheesh, that's, uh, that's a pretty cynical take, man. <laughs> well, like I said, I know it's wrong, and I don't feel like that all the time. But the alarm went off, so I'm, 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 I'm letting myself express it for us. It, well, <laughs> and also maybe exposing a nerve. <laughs> yeah, there's a little bit of a nerve there. <laughs> I told you there would be. Well, look, I, I'm going to say the same thing to you that I've already said. It's hard to say to a cynic uh, or to somebody expressing a cynical point of view right. <laughs> that you need to have faith and hope, but that's really it. You know, all dads suck. That's true. Okay, fine. No dad is a good dad. My dad was pretty good, and but next to God, all dads are terrible. And so what? All dads fail us one way or another. So what? God's a good God, and he gives us the pain in our lives and the good in our lives for a reason. And you have to receive that by faith. And that doesn't mean that uh, fatherhood is bad, no matter what the case is with your own dad, because God is the father from whom all fatherhood gets its name. He's a good dad. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, I think that's just absolutely right. And that is, that, is, that is what I believe by faith. Excuse me, sirs, the performance... <laughs> Oh, about good. to begin. Our serious conversation is being interrupted by... <laughs> it sounded like you guys it's were not talking like about we were... fatherhood or something. <laughs> yeah, we might have been talking about fatherhood. Yeah, oh, that's really we're, great. Um, we're in the middle of a thing here. But we got a songwriter you coming gotta, in to sing a song. Wait, this episode is going to be a mu- one of the episodes with a musical? I mean, you, I mean, you It's got... the middle of the afternoon, Ollie. Why would you have a songwriter sing a song in right, the middle yeah, of the afternoon? We're actually also the only people in this establishment <laughs> right now. I don't know. It's just what we did. We booked him. Okay, I see how it's supposed to work. So, so singers, so they're going to sing a song or something, and then we'll come back and we'll talk more and kind of resolve everything we set up with the devil. So this is just turning into a normal episode. All right, I get it. So somebody's going to sing us a song, right? And that someone is going to sound suspiciously like one of us. <laughs> no, sirs, that would be very strange indeed. It's actually past uh, Jody Killingsworth of My Soul Among Lions. Oh, great. Well, we, of course, know and love Jody. He's uh, with us in Warhorn Media for My Soul Among Lions. He's got the new album of, of Psalms coming out, Psalms 21 through 30, Songs of the King. We're really excited about that. 
Is he going to be performing one of those uh, psalms settings? Oh, no, sir. This is Father's Day. He's going to be reflecting on his years as a father. Reflecting on his... Well, okay. That's We've been talking about fathers. That could be helpful. Nice to have something apropos. All right. I'm excited to, I'm excited to hear this. Well, all right, then. Uh, Mr. Killingsworth, why don't you go ahead? Get started. When I found out I'd be a dad, I wondered what to do. But now I'm seven children in, here's my advice to you. To be an awesome Christian dad and raise those little whelps. You needn't be a perfect man, but still it sort of helps. You don't have to kiss your children or read to them at night Still I'm really feeling thankful I did everything so right Some parents school their kids at home and give them lots of hugs But there's no need to do these things if you want them on drugs Some daddies won't give chocolate bars or other kinds of sweeties But you can do just as you please and give them diabetes You can do family devotions every other night As for me, I'm really thankful I did everything just right Not every dad will have the time to post on Instagram Photos of the kids with mom making homemade jam Not every kid will learn guitar or pitch in Little League Or take accelerated classes without some small fatigue Not all dads can be that awesome Some are cranky and uptight But I'm really feeling thankful I got everything so right Should you be city folk or rural? Should mama have used that epidural? And when should nursing babes be fed? Or junior stop wetting his bed? Should girls play sports or boys be dancers? I thank the Lord, I know the answers. Not many dads will have your back when you get in a fight and fewer still can really run fast as the speed of light not every dad can be a stud or think like isaac newton because most of us are prone to run when we hear someone shooting so go lift weights or take karate smoke your stick of dynamite As for me, I'm feeling thankful 
Yes, I'm really oh so thankful. Yes, I'm really feeling thankful that I did it all just right. I've got everything so right. See ya, Jody! <laughs> what a great song. Reminds me of my own experience as a father. Oh, please. <laughs> okay, okay. So we were starting to answer the devil. Yeah, and you, were, for... you had already done a great job, so um, go on. All right, let's just open the Bible. First Corinthians, Apostle Paul writes this. For us, there is one God, the Father, from whom are all things and for whom we exist. Ephesians 4 says, as I've quoted a, a couple times before, that there's one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. And uh, just before that, it says that God's the Father from whom all fatherhood gets its name. Psalm 68. Father of the fatherless and protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. Isaiah 63. You, O Lord, are our Father. Our Redeemer from of old is your name. In Isaiah 68, but now, O Lord, you are our Father. And going to 2 Corinthians, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. Matthew 28, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. James 1, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. It's really simple. It's all over the scriptures, and we haven't even begun to scratch the surface of it. God is the Father. And to reckon with God is to reckon with the Father. And so you don't get to pretend like dads aren't real, dads don't exist. You don't get to pretend like fatherhood's not a thing. And uh, not to plug another show, but the whole next season of The World We Made is coming out next Monday. That's right. If you're listening to this on the day it come, the week it comes out, and uh, you can su- subscribe to that today, The World We Made, available wherever fine podcasts are. And we actually talk about some of the same stuff there. Yeah, we handle these same questions with Pastor Tim. At one point, Tim just says, you really, you can't be a Christian if you won't have God as your father. But the feelings that, this is interesting because the feelings that I was expressing earlier, they weren't exactly me you know, playing the devil, saying that I wouldn't have, I never actually said I wouldn't have God as my father, right? No, but what you did say is that you basically want to treat fatherhood as it's written into all of creation as a myth. Mm-hmm. And you can't, to deny the one, it really is to deny the other because God's fatherhood is written into creation. It's written into the fabric of the way God made the world. It's written into human relationships. You just can't, you can't get rid of earthly fatherhood and think that uh, you can deal with God um over here and not have that impact the way that you deal with fathers here on earth. Well, let me ask you this, Jake, because we've, we've dealt with this from the point of view of, of, of sons of fathers. You know, I've talked a little bit about uh, my point of view on fatherhood. You've talked about your dad and your grandpa, but you're, uh, you're a daddy to, to, to seven kids. So, um, yeah. so let me ask you, do you love it? Do you feel good about it? Do you have angst, <laughs> angst about it? Um, how did you feel, Jake, when you, when you first held your firstborn in your arms? That first, let me ask you Oh. cliched question here. Well, yeah, it's a cliched question, and I don't know how cliched my answer actually is. It was surreal. It was amazing. It was unreal. On the one hand, you feel just overwhelming awe at God and what God's done and the fact that you're a dad. And on the other hand, this overwhelming, crushing weight of responsibility that now I have I have 
by God's grace brought his son into this world. I am responsible for him. I'm responsible for not just for feeding him and I'm responsible for helping him grow into a godly man. And that's just overwhelmingly heavy. And at the same time, it's, it's awesome. It's exciting. It's exhilarating. Okay, so where do you go from there then? I mean, okay, you hold your son in your arms. It's a terrifying, simultaneously <laughs> terrifying and wonderful at the same time. Then what do you do? Then, then now you've got the rest of your life to spend with these seven kids, uh, in, in, you know, in one way or another, being their dad. What do you do? You know, on the one hand, I want to say, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's, it's hard. It's hard to figure out what to do. You know, you're still a guy that likes guy things and wants to run from responsibility on the one hand. On the other hand, you're a guy that wants to honor and please God and be like him. You love your wife and your kids and it's hard and and it's hard to trust. And this really, it is real. It's hard to trust that you you matter as much as you do. Mm. It, it, and it's funny that some of the same guys that complain about their dads having left such a hu- such huge gaping wounds or gaping holes in their lives turn around and thoughtlessly wound their own children the same way or sometimes even with 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 great thought because they feel like you know like the person i was per- portraying they think oh fatherhood's just it's not something i want to inflict on my kids so i'm going to be careful to just maintain my distance as a as a mercy to them i mean i think people actually do they might not yeah what's the quote way. he committed every crime except for that of being a father yeah exactly <laughs> something like that yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean i think there's a lot of guys that never wanted to be dads that hated their own dads and so they're going to do things differently and the way they're actually going to do it is by negating their own fatherhood by not taking responsibility but that's the thing you can't do that you can't negate your own fatherhood you can't once you have a kid that kid's life is going to be defined by his dad for good or for ill. And if you try to remove yourself from the equation, he's going to be defined by your attempt to remove yourself from the equation. Mm-hmm. There's just no escaping it. There is only turning manfully and embracing fatherhood, embracing your kids and loving them and caring for them and disciplining them and striving to raise them up in the fear and nurture of the Lord. And knowing that you're going to fail and you're going to fail miserably and you're going to feel like you should just die and that it'd be better for everybody if you weren't around because you just screw it up so much. You have to look those failures in the face, realize that no, God's made you the father of these kids, and yeah, you fail, you sin, but your job isn't to get it right or perfect because nobody can do that. There's only one perfect father from whom all fatherhood gets its name. And your job is to figure out what you have to work with and do your best and to to try to put in the effort. And that's what I love about my dad is that as much as anything is that he had not just felt what I felt just the crushing weight of responsibility but then his wife left for a lot of men that's a really emasculating thing to happen to go through a divorce like that and my dad never backed down was determined to be a good dad no matter what and he was to the best of his ability and ended up being pretty great one way or another dads have to be able to look their sins, the failures, and the circumstances of their life in the face and, and and look at God and say, you know what? God's a good father who's been patient and gracious with me, and he's never turned away from me. And I'm not going to turn away from my kids. God's always been there and cared for me, no matter what my dad was like. Or, and he gave me a great example in my dad. Either way, I've got to man up, and I've got I've to do my best and I'm going to fail and then I'm going to have to get back up again. 
and then I'm going to fail again. I'm going to have to get back up again. Um, but the one thing I can't do is quit. Mm. Yeah. I mean, if there's dads, listen, I don't want to be melodramatic and I am done with self-pity. I do not want to be self-pitying at all. But if there are dads listening, which I'm sure there are, please try. Do something. Just do something. Give your kid a hug or something. Yeah. Find, hug. find your baseball. I mean, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Find, find your baseball. Find find the thing. It, obviously, it's been baseball for a lot of people for all kinds of reasons, and there are good and bad things about that. There's a reason, like we said, why Field mm-hmm. of Dreams is a really weird, silly movie that makes dads across America cry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know, it's really... The little things you do and say, they, they matter. And it's hard to, on the one hand, it's easy to remember all of the little things that dad did or didn't do, mm-hmm. said or didn't say, that hurts you. And on the flip side, it's impossible to feel like these little things are of consequence or can make a big difference, but they really do. A hug from, from dad, I'm proud of you, son, can send a tingle up a kid's spine when it comes from his dad in a way that no, nobody else has the ability to do that. And so make the effort. Hug's not so very hard. Yeah, dads, just give your kid a hug. What's, what's the worst that could happen? I, you're, you're not allowed to be scared. You're, you're the dad. All right, well, happy Father's Day. Ah! <clears throat> Let me try that again. I, man, see, this is, I'm not doing this for dramatic effect. I honestly can't say it without this... Happy Father's Day, Jake. Thanks. <laughs> where is Ben? He is about to be fired. Is That's where, where he is. is. On the edge, cusp of losing his job. Oh, good grief. This town makes me feel like a crazy squirrel. Why couldn't the, the city planners lay out things in a grid? A grid is easy, but no, they had to put every street at a different angle. Well, I'm done trying to figure this out. I'm seriously just going to knock on someone's door and ask for help. This looks like a well-maintained orderly home. No trespassing. Well, I'm sure they won't mind helping out a stranger for just a second. Hello? Anyone home? No. Go away. Whoa. Uh, where are you? I can't see anyone. But I can see you through my security camera. This is private property, punk. Uh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to trespass. I'm just lost, and I... I'm just just lost. I'm a moron. I don't know how to read no trespassing signs. Listen, maggot. This is a secure perimeter. If you've taken one step off the flagstones... Bro, who you talking to? You were supposed to be spotting me. I almost couldn't stop that 500-lib barbell from (laughs) crushing my trachea. Oh, I'm glad you're still alive. I'm talking to this trespassing moron out here. He's lost. He can't read signs. Hold on. Where was I? I I think you were going to give me directions to the bar. That's all I need. Then I can leave. I was telling him that if he stepped off the path even one iota, he would have stepped on a claymore. Uh, claymore? What's, What's a... When you learn to read, you should learn to read books. On war. Yeah, you seem like you're not very bright. A claymore is a mine. Everyone knows that. And then I would have to replace it and clean up his remains off the yard. I just did that with the trespasser last week, and I don't appreciate the trouble. Dude, I thought a possum stepped on your claymore. It was trespassing. This is a secure perimeter. Word. In that possum's face. Okay. Well, it's been really great, but I've really got to leave right now. I'm backing carefully away on the the flagstones here. Wait. What? You want directions to the bar? Yeah. Uh, yes. It's just on the street past that yellow house with all the chickens. Uh, you... You mean that one over towards the park? Yeah, that's right. Good job. 
I think you're going to make it after all. Awesome. All right. Wow. Thank you so much. Anytime. Glad to help. And, uh, punk? Yes? I'll be watching you. Sound of Sanity was engineered by Benjamin Solzer, produced by Nathan Alberson, executive produced like all fine Warhorn products by Jacob Menzel and Nathan Alberson. Until next time, stay safe.